Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Henry Chisholm. As always, I'm joined by Andre Simone, but our special guest, who you guys know well from the film rooms at thednvr.com, they've been spectacular if you haven't checked them out. Jake Schwanitz is on the show again. Uh, How's it going, Jake? Doing well, man. Thanks for the kind words on the film rooms. Been working hard on those. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for today. Going to talk my favorite position. Uh, really fun division. This is going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun. Um, not only is it going to be a fun position group, the running backs, it's also going to be such a fun division with the NFC South, uh, which is where we are kicking things off today. Um, but before we do that, I do want to tell you just a little bit more about our presenting sponsor, the reason this podcast is possible. DraftKings. This is a huge week for uh, UFC. And uh, honestly, is this the best fight card that we've had since sports came back, Dre? Yeah. Yeah. Not not even close, probably. I mean, that first pay-per-view we had was pretty spectacular. It was a great introduction to UFC and some of the bigger names and personalities. Here, though, we have three title fights, two other fights on the main card that are out of this world, a phenomenal debut in the prelims. I mean, it's just like matchups galore. This is going to be just wire to wire, nothing but entertaining. Before we move along with this ad, can you give us just one pick that we should make? Just one, just one, just one. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of ways to to slice this. We might be doing a round robin parlay. We'll we'll take um all the five main card um fights to not go the distance, which if you hit three of two, you'll be looking pretty pretty. Or taking the underdogs in all five of the main cards, because even though you're getting some really nice odds on the underdogs, these are such high level fighters that really um, an upset wouldn't be that much of a, you know, it's like the difference between an upset week 15 between the Patriots and the Browns or an upset in the second round of the playoffs with the Titans beating the Patriots. You know, you're much less surprised that the Titans won than the Browns did in week 15. Um, yeah. So those, those are two areas where I think there's a lot of value and we might be having some fun this week. That is very good information. And if you guys want to get in on the action, then you should download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. It is the official betting partner of DNVR. Um, And that's why if you use the code DNVR when you sign up, for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Time for some football talk. And I'm really excited. I, I feel like we need to start having like three draft pods a week because <laughs> I'm just super pumped that football is right around the corner. Um, That's true. As always, we are starting with the team that picked first in the division. And in the NFC South, that was the Carolina Panthers. There it is. I couldn't find their pick on the list. And I was like, I know that they're right there. Um, but they took Derek Brown out of Auburn. Um, let's just start at the top. What did you think of that pick? Yeah, I guess that was one of those picks where uh, we had a mock to Carolina forever and then there started to be some doubt on whether or not that would be the pick, but they ended up pulling the trigger and kind of staying true to form. Um, I think it's a good pick. It's a very, it's funny with the new regime and everything, it's like as Carolina as it gets, um, you know, Kwan Shore and Star Lutalele and uh, Vernon Butler fairly recently. They're just a team that likes to uh, beef up up front they're not so interested in finesse edge bending pass rushers they're interested in big cloggers who are going to help those uh, athletic linebackers on the back end and Derek Brown is uh, the epitome of that kind of prospect you know he's going to be phenomenal in being able to really offset kind of the the mathematical equation in the in the trenches because he's going to occupy two offensive linemen at all times um, of course, Luke Keekley isn't going to be there anymore. So now we got to figure out where's that talent at linebacker that's going to be able to take advantage of this. Of course, they had a really – am I tripping? They had a really nice edge rushing pass uh, pick last year with uh, Brian, Brian Burns, Burns. who yeah. might really – if you're looking for someone who's going to benefit from the, the Brown pick, there you go right there. But, yeah, I mean, top 10, they got a top 10 talent. And then they're able to get four other top 100 prospects um, for me with three second-round grades or better. Um, so really, you got to like what they did on uh, day two and, and beyond. Um, you know, Troy Pride Jr., definitely the best value pick there. I think Jeremy Chin, we're all uh, quite intrigued by 32nd overall pick. Or no, 32nd pick of the second round. So really nice value there. And you tour Gross Matos, not a guy that I love, but they're doubling down on the trenches. They're really tripling down because Burns last year. Um, and he does, you know, playing opposite Burns. He will complement that nicely. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of a nice foundational defensive draft to kind of rebuild that identity insanely every single pick on the, the defensive side um, in this class. I think maybe the only team to have done that. Yeah. What do you yeah, think, Jake? I, mean, I was going to say, uh, if Andre didn't say it, but just the whole defensive player thing that happened, um, I think it's kind of a risky strategy, honestly. I mean, especially when you look at the talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, really, outside of McCaffrey, what do you have? It's pretty bare bones. Offensive line is not too impressive to me. Um, and then even yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, you're going to ask him to come in, and he's kind of got big shoes to fill, right? I mean, Cam's a former MVP. But there's Carolina's never really had the weapons, even when Cam was an MVP. They never really had – I mean, they were, he was throwing to uh, Jericho Cotri and stuff in that Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So it's 
I don't know. I'm just scared that I understand you have Brady coming in to help the passing game, but I just don't know if they did enough personnel-wise. The defense, though, I'm excited to see. Um, Andre mentioned the hole with Keekley at middle linebacker. That did kind of make me scratch my head when they went Brown over Isaiah Simmons just because I thought maybe Simmons could have been more impactful, especially he, considering Keekley just leaving. You could just have Simmons step right in and kind of assume that same role. Uh, that's really the only critique I had, though. I do like Brown, um, even though the athletic profile, it's something Andre and I talked about a couple times. Uh, it's not ideal, obviously, but yeah. he's just a game wrecker, man. Uh, chin and pride, like you said, some nice value picks there in the mid rounds. Um, but yeah, just an interesting draft overall, just the fact that it's all defense and just, it's going to be a fun team to watch. I think it's, they could crash and burn or they could do all right. We, I have no idea about this team. Yeah. For me, Jeremy Chin is maybe the most exciting prospect to watch this year. Um, at least for me personally on the defensive side of the ball, just because I don't know how they're going to use him. You know, he, he is to me, one of those I mean, yep. hybrid players. Like, could he be even an option to take at least part of Luke Keekley's role in that defense? I mean, that was some of the discussion uh, coming into the draft around draft Twitter was, uh, you know, is Jeremy Chin, 90% of what you get out of Isaiah Simmons, you know, had he just been utilized that way and obviously at a bigger program than coming out of uh, Southern Illinois, which I believe is FCS, you know, that, that, um, I think that's the gamble they're taking here and uh, quite a big one, but uh, I, I do think that's a big part of their, their thought process is that chin isn't just a conventional linebacker for them. He can do he can do a few more things and uh, kind of be that hybrid player, which of course paired with Shaq Thompson, who's been that already, um, does kind of revive that linebacker unit. And now you have this young group of edges as well. You have your anchor in the middle. I mean, it's it's an interesting front they're putting together here. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I just. You know, you kind of have to judge a depth chart basically just by going down the ones, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a talent-driven league. And I just look at this depth chart, and there's some so many positions where I just have questions. I mean, Eli Apple is going to be a starting cornerback again. Uh, we mentioned yes. Jeremy Chin. You don't know where he's going to play exactly, but mm-hmm. if he doesn't play middle linebacker, you're asking to hear Whitehead to come in and start? Um, I don't know about that one for sure. Yep. And then – so it's – I don't, that's what I'm saying. That's just tough for me to really I, – I understand it's the first year for Rule, um, you know, with the, the new, re, new regime there in Carolina. Mm-hmm. I just don't know really what the plan is yet, though. That's my issue with this draft class. I understand that you're trying to build up the defense, but I just there's so many holes that need to be filled still that I just have trouble seeing this team really be anything special. You know, they might surprise, maybe kind of – stick around in that extra wild card spot that we have now, maybe around the nine win mark. But I just, uh, I think this team is still pretty far away and I wouldn't be surprised to see some growing pains here in 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think the plan, you know, if I'm trying to put myself in their mindset and try to figure out what they're thinking in Carolina, um, you know, they've got this new OC, which was phenomenal with a guy like Joe Burrow, maybe not the most naturally talented, 
but a guy who showed good IQ and great anticipation. Um, and when they went in empty and really stretched defenses out with five wide formations, he was able to pick up on those cues a little a little quicker when when given up consistently one on one opportunities. And I think they're trying to follow that same mold with Teddy. And the beauty is if you're going to operate in, in an empty backfield a lot, you have the perfect running back. I mean, in NFL history, there isn't a better running back to play predominantly in empty sets. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a lot of names on this depth chart that I recognize on offense. DJ Moore at wide receiver, who, again, more empty stuff where we're operating more in the short to intermediate uh, DJ Moore has some talent. Curtis Samuels, another interesting little um, versatile piece there to the equation. And, you know, at tackle, you've got guys like Greg Little. You've got guys like Taylor Moton. You've got Russell Okung to kind of be that stabilizing veteran. If you can find two starting tackles out of there and move another one to be a, a decent to above average uh, guard in the NFL, that's at least three building blocks on the offense as well. You know, and we taught it's a perfect example of defense, you need talent. Offense, you need talent as well, but it better be talent that's functional to your scheme, to your offense. So I think that's kind of the approach they're taking here. They're going to try and see how can we make these guys fit on offense and go from there. Uh, and on defense, we're giving our new head coach a, a lot of talent who fits kind of the identity he wants to establish as a team. And going from there. So, and I'm I'm with you, Jake. I think fit wise, I think I think value in a vacuum, it's decent value here. It just on a it pick by pick basis. But you're right. When you see the whole of it, you're like, well, I would have preferred Isaiah Simmons. I would have liked to inject a little more talent on offense as well, instead of being so defense centric. Um, so fits a bit of a wait and see. There's some philosophical stuff that's weird, but I think value objectively, it's a decent class. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And to me, you know, I, there's there are just so many question marks everywhere. And you could see, like, yeah. is Teddy Bridgewater actually a good quarterback? That could be the case. And boom, there's one hit. You mentioned DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Well, they have Robbie Anderson there too, who yeah. you know there was the video circulating on Twitter this week that I, th I think the the headline was. Uh, two minutes of Jets quarterbacks missing a wide open Robbie Anderson. And, yeah. and, and you know, he's yet, yeah, maybe, maybe he deserves more credit than he gets, you know, even guys like Farrell Cooper. I liked Seth Roberts. I liked, and I wouldn't really bet on them to be key piece of an offense, but throughout this roster, you're, you're just looking for, you know, maybe there's 13 spots and you need to get nine of them to hit 10 of them to hit. And if it happens, then this might be a playoff team. Um, Jake, you have any thoughts to round out the Panthers discussion? I do. Um, just on the wide receivers in general, like you said with Robbie Anderson, I do think he is a bit underappreciated. Um, I was really impressed with him. Just, I mean, like you mentioned, the quarterbacks he was playing with, he was still getting open, still making big plays. Right. So I do like that acquisition. My issue, though, again, I mean, if you go below DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, if you have any injuries on this receiving core, they are in big, big trouble. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to go back to the second round with this. You took your tier gross Matos uh, sixth overall in the second round. Yeah. You know, they passed up on guys, uh, LaVisca Chenault, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool, uh, Van Jefferson, so many guys. That Denzel Mims, right? Denzel Mims. I mean, you're, it's not like 
they would have made a big difference, but it just would have helped with that depth. And I think it really would have made this offense a lot more intriguing for this year. Mm-hmm. Right. It would have been one more, one more player who could have hit, you know, yeah. if, like, like if all these guys are 50, 50, that one more 50, 50 chance, Dre, you're the parlay guy that really increases <laughs> the odds of it happening. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, and the wide receiver point I think is great because what they did day three is kind of underwhelming. And there were dudes like uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, KJ Hill, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Gabriel Davis, Quinnen Zephus, uh, who are still around at that point of the draft. And um, yeah, to, to Jake's point, I think would have been a nice little cherry on top uh, than just adding, okay, another depth safety, another depth corner, you know. But there yeah. was more impact to be had. I agree. Moving on to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were the next team to pick in the NFC South. At 13, they took Tristan Wirfs. Um, They decided Mm. that what they needed to do was protect Tom Brady. Was that the right move? Uh, Jake, you can go first. I think so. Um, You know, you look at the team from last year. I mean, they went seven and nine with a quarterback that threw 30 interceptions. That alone is just pretty amazing, I think. Um, Of course, you got Godwin and Evans. So you have the weapons on the outside. And, you know, Brady is that quarterback where, you know, you still need decent talent on the offensive line. He, because he can do some stuff, you know, he's not mobile, um, you would say, but he is a guy that understands how to navigate the pocket. You know, he can kind of make up for some of those deficiencies on the offensive line um, if you're not, you know, the best in, in the talent department and not on that uh, position group. Uh, the tight ends on this team, though, really intrigue me. This has to be probably the best tight end room in the league. Um, I'm not even talking about Gronk or Howard. I mean, Cameron Brait has been someone I think that's yeah. been pretty underrated for a long time. So that excites me. Um and then just the defense, it, it came together super quickly on the defensive side of the ball for this team. Um, you know, they had a big jump last year, whereas, you know, two years ago, it looked like this team might be kind of looking towards a rebuild, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Just a lot of pieces not really fitting and working. But it's come together nicely with Vito Vea, Devin White. You know, you're adding a lot of guys there. So I, I don't know. I could talk forever about this team. They are super exciting, not just because of Brady, but just because of the overall talent level. Like yeah, it. and it's it's crazy. Once they added Brady, they really were just like one competent offensive tackle away from being from from legitimately going toe to toe with the Saints in the South, you know. And that's why there was that urgency to to get Wirfs. They were also kind of lucky to have Wirfs drop all the way to thirteen. San Francisco, yeah. their their San Francisco thing, where they they got probably a little more value than than Tampa needed to give up. Um, but you know, San Fran's also dealing with, they know that Joe Staley's retiring. It wasn't public. Worfs would have been perfect for their offense. I mean, no yeah. better offense, shoot, no better offensive prospect than the entire draft, maybe as a fit in that Niners offense than Worfs. Um, so I think kind of a trade that was mutually beneficial and, you know, Wirfs, who's one of those kids who couldn't drink legally the day he was drafted, um, now needs to really protect that right side of uh, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, and so I think that pick was a, a phenomenal pick. After that, meh. But, you know, this is a team in win-now mode. They, they got a B-minus for me. They got two 
prospects from the top three tiers and in general, two guys in the top 100. So didn't kill it value wise after Werfs, but you know, when you put, when you're, you're, this is one of those few teams where you can't criticize them for addressing need a little more heavily or attacking things because they are in a much different window from just about everyone else in the league. I just kind of hate the Keyshawn Vaughn pick. That's where I wanted to go. That's what, that was going to be my question because we've kind of talked about it, you know, with those tight ends. If you put those guys on the field, that gives you the versatility to run the ball. They spend a first-round pick on offensive linemen. Um, they have some other pieces on that offensive line who you, you would like. Now they have Ronald Jones and yep. they have Keyshawn Vaughn likely as their top two backs. Let's start with, uh, you know, say they are still planning on taking a running back in the third round like they did with Vaughn. Was Vaughn the right decision? Or if not, who would you have taken? Dre, you look like you have some strong thoughts. I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I mean, not to blow our second segment where we're going to talk about the running backs, but uh, yeah, I mean, he was far from the best running back available to me at that point. I mean, guys like Joshua Kelly or Anthony McFarland. Um, but I think they got a little too cute and a little too caught up in, well, maybe McFarland's too similar to Ronald Jones. Is Josh Kelly enough of a receiver? Uh, because we they specifically need an outlet for Brady um, in the passing game because we know that that's something they've been, you know, that's definitely been something that he's done in the past um, to, you know, to spare himself from taking some unnecessary hits and sacks and just getting the ball out. So it was just too much of a need pick at a position that they really could have waited to address. I mean, if you want a receiving back, fine. But you could have waited. You could have got one among the undrafted. You know, it wouldn't have been a problem. Um, so, yeah, I just I just hate that pick. And it's, it's a shame because uh, the other pick, Anthony or um, Antoine Winfield Jr., their second-round pick was another slam dunk, you know. So their first two picks are the, one of the better one-two punches of the entire 2020 NFL draft after that they kind of fall off drastically for me though yeah so on Keyshawn Vaughn I mean I don't think I have anything super crazy about him I mean he was a guy that I thought was fine um I didn't think he was you know anything special when I watched the college tape Mm -hmm. Uh, like Andre said though I think they did just kind of get caught up you know they they saw Brady coming in and they were like okay we just got to get this guy a James White clone as soon as possible Um, I don't, but I don't really see that in Keyshawn Vaughn. So I guess, yeah, a bit questionable. I want to talk about Ronald Jones though, because I want to know what you guys think about him. And because his career has been one of the more interesting ones from that draft class, just because a lot of people were really high on him coming out in 18 and he did get drafted pretty high, but that rookie year was pretty dreadful to watch. Mm -hmm. And, but, but then you couple it with last year's, uh, season and he actually looked pretty decent so yep. what do you guys think we're getting out of him this year because I have no idea yeah um and that Arians offense isn't necessarily one where I'm like psyched that a running yeah. back I was very high on um went to and, and I was very high on Ronald Jones and I he went really high as is I think if he doesn't get injured when running his 40 and pulling a hammy and still running a four five with the last 20 yards running like limping because he just pulled a hammy. Um, You know, if he runs the four three that he was probably going to run, 
I think he might have squeezed into the first round. Um, he probably goes ahead of what was – wasn't that the Rashad Penny draft um, who went late first to the Seahawks? Maybe that was the draft oh, after man. him. Um, it probably was the draft after him, yeah. But still uh, – so I think there's a lot of talent, and I think that's a guy who can be a real factor in the passing game as well. I love them at SC. I saw him live at Folsom that year with Sam Darnold and was just blown away by the, the just otherworldly speed, agility burst um, this kid has. And he's still – he's one of those really young kids. You know, I think he's still like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, but running backs, you know, that's one of those positions where we're not patient. And you're yeah. under more scrutiny from fans because of the whole fantasy thing. Um, so, you know, it, you're kind of considered a bum right away if you don't perform. So it's a big year for him. Uh, but he could be – he's kind of the secret weapon of this offense, if you ask me. Like, if Ronald Jones breaks out, watch out. The Bucks are a whole different team. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that those are all really good takes. I mean, I feel like you just got to see more. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Like, yeah. You know, you, you look at the numbers and the 4.2 yards per carry, 172 carries, get you close to 750. Like, yeah, that's solid. Build on it, though. Can he become more efficient? And I think that you expect a guy to become more efficient in a Tom Brady offense just because, I mean, Tom with the audibles is going to put you in more good situations and less bad situations. So you expect that efficiency to jump up a little bit. Um, he's already putting up the decent receiving numbers. You expect those to get bumped up a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who breaks out. And again, I, I think I was kind of low on him after his rookie year, after being very high. And I think mostly just because I was disappointed everything like it was just polar opposites instead of saying like oh this is a guy who's gonna break out this is gonna be like one of the premier speedy receiving type backs in the league after it didn't happen I turned on him quickly as emotional fans do and sometimes I do as well even though I try really hard not to and I think having this conversation has pushed me back into the feeling that you know he is in a good situation and I think I do expect him to break out because he does have those talents and I'm glad that you mentioned Dre that he is so young um, I think that's all I have on him. What's weird is they also drafted Raymond Callis at the end of um, the draft. So almost the, almost Mr. Irrelevant, the Louisiana Lafayette little scat back. So there's another receiving option. So they've got, they've got receivers and speed in abundance in that backfield. Um, Tyler Johnson, I think is a name that stood out with them picking the Minnesota wide receiver in the fifth round. Um, you know, and this is the thing about Tyler Johnson. I think uh, it's a great example. He's drafted in Tampa Bay. He doesn't have the speed. He's not the vertical threat to fit that Bruce Arians offense, and he's not that quick underneath, quick separator uh, that would really suit Brady. Um, so that's the thing. Very productive. He's got the size. He's got nice hands. Decent route runner, right? Um, but in an offense like that, in a situation like this, it's kind of like, yeah, where, how are you going to use them? How are you going to maximize them? And I do like, they keep beefing up the interior of their defensive line. Khalil Davis out of Nebraska, massive size motor runs hot and cold, never quite played up to his potential, but as a third down weapon, as a depth piece, as a rotational piece on the defensive line, Davis, I think has some real talent. I was very, he was one of my higher day three grades because I think he does have, um, that skill set, you know, as an interior pass rusher, that's appealing and some intriguing upside with his uh, raw tools. I, I, I like that analysis. Um, 
let's let's I have one more question then let's flip to the defensive side of the ball and kind of round things out um so Mike Evans I think he was fifth in the league in air yards per target last year you know it's all just downfield stuff now you're going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady who at this point in his career doesn't have the same arm strength isn't going to just I mean essentially lob balls up to Mike Evans and say huh somebody's gonna catch it I hope it's our guy is is does Mike Evans become less valuable with Tom Brady at quarterback somehow? Um, and and then like overall, what are your feelings on this receiver group? Are there enough weapons to actually put Tom Brady to use? Uh, look, I gotta say, I think Mike Evans has been disrespected actually for uh, a couple of years at this point. Um, Talent wise, this guy might be one of the five best receivers in the league. Um, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the strength, you know, he's got the special ability to make contested catches, you know, just the, the catch radius and everything. So, I mean, I'm a huge Mike Evans guy. I think he has been disrespected, but also Godwin coming up has been, it's been a, I'm not gonna lie. It's been a surprise for me. You know, when Godwin was in his first or second year, it was like, Oh, okay. This guy's like pretty decent. Now this guy's like actually probably a top 10 wide receiver at this point. Um, his development's been really incredible but after that I am really concerned again uh, just like I am with Carolina I mean that you're really banking on Tyler Johnson here to come in and make an impact because if you don't have Tyler Johnson you have nothing else behind those two guys and you know Brady has been a great quarterback for a long time and he has been able to make it work with a lot of undrafted guys and you know scraps that have been discarded from other teams but I, I just don't even know the names on the depth chart under the, those three guys. So I, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And you look at this roster, are we going to see a ton of two tight end sets? Um, it, it feels a lot like Gary Kubiak being added to the Broncos, and we're all like, uh, no, G- Gary and Peyton will figure it out. They'll, they'll find a way to make it work. And then eight weeks in, it was like, well, maybe – this molding the two offenses isn't really going to work. And uh, this Arians-Brady ma- uh, marriage feels uh, feels similar. Yeah, well, and it no, wasn't I- just like, maybe it doesn't work. It's like, maybe we should throw Brock Osweiler in there instead. Like, that's how bad it got. <laughs> yeah. yes. uh, Jake, you had thoughts? Yeah, um, I just liked what Andre said right there about, you know, maybe more 12 personnel or something. Just because, like I said off the top, this is probably the deepest tight end room in the league. And that's the easiest way right there to make up for the deficiencies at wide receiver. Just put another tight end on the field. Um, You want to talk about helping out Ronald Jones. If you're playing 12 personnel constantly, you're going to be able to outnumber people in the box. Um, And you know, like Henry said, you know, Brady's going to get you in the right call. You know, if he's going to, you know, you know, he's going to get the numbers in the box always right. He's going to get you into that run call wherever he needs it. So a very interesting point. Um, and the league has kind of, you know, we saw the 11 personnel trend, you know, through the probably back end of the decade up until the past couple of years. And now we've kind of shifted already back to 12 personnel. Yep. So it would be fitting for the way the league's going. Well, and I wonder if you can stick Bray in the backfield a little bit and uh, have some hybrid 22 personnels, you know, 13, 22 yeah. personnels where it's, you're really going heavy. And then the Vaughn pick makes more sense you're going to be a little more run heavy like this and you're going to be a little more physical and um, you know, really try to attack those numbers in the box because they're respecting the wide receivers you have outside and the quarterback you have, 
then yeah, you do want a, a more valuable backup to Ronald Jones, a little more Ronald Jones insurance. To me, I think that having had this conversation about where the weapons lie in this offense, I just really wish at some point, like you understand why they aren't going to invest a first round pick in a receiver. Like they aren't going to go after a Jerry Judy or whatever. You, you just can't put those assets there, but they need another receiver. And that's why I think in the second round, maybe go after somebody like Visca, who you can have do a bunch of different things later in the draft, go after a Lynn Bowden, go after mm-hmm. uh, Antonio Gibson, somebody who, can help you out as a receiver, can help you out in the backfield a little bit, and just kind of round out this group of weapons because it still does feel to me like there is a piece missing. Whereas, well, you know, we have this conversation about the Panthers where if, if all these guys do what they can do, yeah, this is going to be a good team. With the Buccaneers, I still just think that there is a piece missing and it isn't like everything's lined up and you're just hoping everything works out. Like maybe I guess you can say Tyler Johnson becomes a third receiver and then you're good. And then Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones breaks out, but I don't know. I just don't love this offense. Let's move over to the defense though. Um, We've, we've mentioned a little bit um, about these defensive linemen, but this front seven, where does this rank among the best front sevens in the NFL? It's high up there. It is pretty high up there. Um, you know, maybe one of the best linebacker combinations in the league with Devin White, Levante David, um, Shaquille Barrett, if he has another fantastic year. Um, yeah, I'm not know, sure Jason, on third down you'd pick another trio. Yeah, seriously. And then, you know, Vita Vea, his year last year was really impressive and his uh, development has kind of changed course, you know, kind of heightened that traje- trajectory. And then also, uh, you know, in Dominican Sioux, even like it's just there's guys everywhere here. Yeah, just to run through this, I mean, in this in this three four defense when they're in their base, and Dominican Sioux, Vita Vea, William Golston, then at linebacker at outside Jason Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett, then inside Devin White and Levante David. Yeah. Ugh, Dre, do you have anything know. to add? No, that's a lot of talent. They don't have bad depth either. There's there's a lot of LSU linebackers here, like Kendall Beckwith and Michael Divinity Jr., Jack Chishi from uh, Wisconsin's there. So they've got depth at linebacker too. Um, no man, and then you add Winfield on the back end. You know, and look, we talked. We've talked a lot about Bruce Arians in this episode. Todd Bowles did a hell of a job uh, with that defense, and I think in year two they're they're poised to be even better. Okay, um, I think only one more question. Uh, what is this secondary? I'm glad you asked that because I was going to say this secondary is actually kind of sneaky good, man. Um, you've had a lot of young players that have been getting playing time for a while now. You look at Carlton Davis, Justin Evans, MJ Stewart, uh, even Jamel Dean a bit last year. You know, These are guys that came in and they were forced to play right away. So they've been thrown into the fire. They're battle-tested. Um, if they can kind of just bring it all together, you know what I mean? You add in that piece now with Winfield um, and Winfield was someone that really intrigued me coming out. So this secondary can really kind of be sneaky good. Yeah. Those number, those names don't jump off the page, but there's some physicality in a, there's some physicality to that group. And that's what you want when you're trying to disrupt the timing of offenses like the Falcons and saints in this division. Even like the, and that's the direction the Panthers are going in too. So you want to disrupt their timing as well. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Moving on, the next team to pick, I believe, was the Falcons, but sure my computer's kind of slow because it's doing a bunch of things. Yeah, no, there we correct. go. AJ Terrell at 16 from Clemson. Uh, was that the right move? No. Um, it wasn't as bad as the Raiders, who I think uh, panicked once AJ Terrell was taken off the board by the Falcons um, and then take, took Damon Arnett. But yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, this is a, a, a Quinn um, organization with their head coach from in, coming from Seattle, and I think I have a similar criticism to the draft for the Seahawks, where, uh, yeah, I get that your system requires a certain skill set, so you're going to go after that, and you might, uh, you might reach a little bit to get that, that kind of skill set. But I think you're, you're misevaluating the advantage in playing this defense is that you can find guys like a Jameel Dean in, in day two, who's still going to fit what your defense needs out of a cornerback. Um, but you don't need to reach at 17. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, beyond that, they get three guys in my top hundred, which is fine, but only one in my top 50, um, pretty underwhelming. You know, it's a C minus for me. I think, uh, they, they, they fell a little short of doing what they had to with the position they're in. And I thought they got a little too cute last year too, with, doubling down on the O-line and stuff like that. And team that's not necessarily maximizing their window um, with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and some of the, the like really talented uh, blue chippers they have on offense. I did like the Marlon Davidson pick um, in the second round. I think he can really be that Michael Bennett type in that Seattle type defense, you know, who can be kind of that bigger left defensive end. Um, for you on first and second down but move inside and rush the passer and play some five technique for you and then interesting they they took Matt Hennessy before Lloyd Cushenberry um, and that's something that Broncos fans will be paying attention to for for years to come um, I would have took taken Cush and I wasn't super impressed by their haul on day three either yeah so I mean you already kind of mentioned AJ Terrell but I can't help but think they didn't take the best cornerback at that point just because Jeff Gladney was still on the board. And, you know, he was someone, Andre, that you and I really liked. Yeah. Um, we talked about a lot. And to go back to Terrell, though, he was victim to, I guess, unfortunate circumstances. I mean, he really mm -hmm. only had a bad half in the national championship game where he got burnt twice uh, for two touchdowns. But one was a perfect ball, um, yep. and one is just the Bolitnikoff winner and the Heisman Trophy winner making a play. So how much can you discredit him for that? He might have been a bit unfair to say some mm -hmm. of those things about him at the time. But still, I, I don't know. I mean, C.D. Lamb was the pick after. I know you yeah. have Julio, and I know you have Ridley. But again, look at the names below those two guys, and there is nothing there. I mean, Dallas did it. They added C.D. Lamb. They had Gallup and Cooper. Yep. So I, I, I get that you needed a corner. I understand. But this is that, you know, we, we talk about this every year. This is why you don't draft for need because I, you, you do need a corner. I mean, corner is probably one of the most important positions on the field, but you could have made this offense way, way, way more dynamic by adding someone like C.D. Lamb. You know, Matt Ryan's still pretty damn good. Uh, you know, you had Hayden Hurst coming over. Mm -hmm. Offensive line is actually really nice. And then Gurley, too. I mean, 
I can't help but just imagine if Lamb was in that offense, we'd be having a lot different discussions about this team. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and to me, again, similar to the Buccaneers, like I get why they couldn't spend a first-round pick on a receiver, why they decided not to. Like That's a whole lot of assets. But then again, like at some point, don't you want to add something there? I mean, because right now your, your third receiver is a battle between – I mean, I don't even know. Take your pick of those two. Probably Russell Gage and Laquan Treadwell. Like, that's that's yeah. not a good situation to be in. At the very least, especially when your running backs, Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, Ito Smith, not a group that – I mean, Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley. He could be the best running back in the league this year. He could also play half a game, and that's it. Yeah. You know, if you just add there, – there were so many of those versatile pieces that you see become – the most important players in football, whether it's a Christian McCaffrey, whether it's a use check, whether it's a, a Kittle, you have like the Lynn Bowden, you have Antonio Gibson at some point, take a chance on one of those guys, have somebody you can at least flex out and play receiver. If you need to play running back, if you need to, <sighs> I, I agree. Um, you know, it's objectively a bad pick when so and we need I'm glad that Jake mentioned you know Terrell is kind of penalized by that national championship we watched that together Henry I can go back to my notes now start of the game my notes say Terrell's doing a great job against Jamar yeah. and it's funny yeah. that's that's the corner position for you two big plays completely flip the script on your game um, and frankly, I thought he was penalized by the fact that Clemson played such a weak schedule this year because in, in that 2019 tape outside of the natty, there's really not a ton of tape to watch where he was tested much or challenged. You need to go back to 2018 where he's playing opposite Trayvon Mullen and that defense, you know, between the front where they all went in the first round and Mullen opposite AJ Terrell, you had just an unbelievable defense there and Terrell looks good in that tape. He does not look like the best corner on that 2018 tape, though. And Trayvon Mullen dropped to the top of the second round. So to see him go 16th overall in arguably a deeper, more talented draft, especially at the top, when his more talented teammate, who was the number one cornerback on the defense just a year ago, went like 33rd overall, I think is an obvious reach. Um, and misuse of, of assets. You know, it's easy to say, but at that point, you should have tried trading down. And if the Raiders took Terrell from you, fine. Let's, you know, go back to the drawing board. Plenty of other corners to pick from. Yeah, two things real quick. Um, we mentioned this, talking about Tampa, how, you know, they might be able to use 12 personnel to kind of maneuver around their talent deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it's just not there for this team, though. I mean, behind Hayden Hurst, you have someone named Kari Lee. I don't know who that is. Um, behind Todd Gurley, you've got Brian Hill and Quadre Olsen. That's, this team is super top-heavy. And, you know, you're already going to be asking someone that might not be up to par in the talent department when it comes to being a starting player. You're going to be already asking someone like that to come in and just kind of just make an impact already. Um, and my second point I wanted to make, when it comes to Terrell and seeing where he went in the first round, you kind of have to wonder, though, did the, cir the circumstances of, you know, COVID and the online draft and all that, did that play into this? Because, you know, we barely saw any trades in this first round. And you have yeah. to imagine, I mean, you heard the rumors before the draft that Atlanta really wanted C.J. Henderson. Obviously, that didn't, they weren't able to make that happen. 
So maybe they were just kind of pigeonholed at 16 and they just had to make a pick. Um, they couldn't find a trade partner. And, you know, I mean, it's, I guess, a panic pick at that point because you don't really know what to do. You don't want to pick there, but you still have to take someone. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. And, the, I mean, their lack of depth is they've traded up a lot in the draft, starting with Julio Jones, and they haven't always got great value. Um, or they're making trades for veterans like Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know, and that's uh, – you keep doing that. You keep reaching in the draft. Yeah, your depth – your depth chart is going to suffer. And that's kind of the spot the Falcons are in right now. All right. One more Falcons question for both of you. I guess it's kind of two questions. Um, favorite pick, least favorite pick of this draft. Uh, then we'll move on. Um, I think Andre already said it. Marlon Davidson, uh, his versatility on the defensive line is something that was really intriguing and fun to watch, quite frankly. Um, I, what was the second question? Sorry, Henry. Uh, that least was favorite. favorite, least favorite pick. Least favorite? Is, is it Terrell? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Uh, I mean, you're taking a third-round center. I mean, you still have Alex Mack. I mean, you can't really get too upset about that. Maybe you can slide a Hennessy at guard if you need to or, you know, just add some versatility on the offensive line. I guess it has to be Terrell. I mean, I'm not going to knock him for a fourth or a seventh-round pick. So, Right. I mean, would you rather CeeDee Lamb and, like, Logan Ryan, who was a street-free agent at this point, or Terrell and that's it? Um, yeah, so it's, it's – I mean, we agree completely. They did draft a, a punter in the seventh round, which, of course, yeah. always gets a knock for me. Um, again, street there, – there are very competent NFL-level players just roaming the streets, guys. You call an agent up, you know, get some guys in for a workout. You don't need to be wasting draft picks on uh, punters just just throwing it out there just free advice for nfl gms out there all right one more team to talk about the new orleans saints who only had four picks in this draft one in the one in the first two in the third one in the seventh uh they bulked up in the trenches a bit uh starting with cesar ruiz a center who flew up the draft boards uh toward the end of the pre-draft process uh was that the right move very interesting pick man very interesting pick after we all um were pretty high on them drafting eric mccoy the center out of texas a&m um a year ago in the seventh round and um very interesting what the saints have done over the last several years a team that the o-line was pretty good with arguably the best left tackle in the nfl a couple years ago and Taron armstead but they've just kept using um, first and second rounders on the offensive line. Andrus Pete, not exactly a great pick because he was supposed to be an offensive tackle, but he's played at guard. Um, you know, Eric McCoy, uh, Ryan Ramchick was a late first rounder. I don't, don't need to tell Broncos fans. And now another first rounder. So you have uh, everyone. I think Armstead, the left tackle, is the only guy who wasn't a pick in the first two rounds, and he was a third rounder, a high upside boomer bust third rounder. Um, so really interesting how one of the best teams in the NFC the last few years uh, has really, really emphasized the importance of the offensive line. You don't always see that with teams with great quarterbacks and great you know, offensive coordinators and play callers. They kind of think, eh, we can, we can neglect that. They, they've, done, they've gone the opposite direction. Um, it wouldn't have been the pick I would have made, but hey, 
late first, you know, again, tighter window. It'll be interesting seeing what Ruiz can do playing more guard than center. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a, a plug and play type of type of player. I think you could have found better value again. Kush, not, not big a difference. Gadash went pretty late. Um, so yeah, not my favorite pick, but I get it. And all in all, they got two top 50 prospects with four picks um, they bring home a B minus, and I think everyone after Ruiz on of who they drafted has me fairly intrigued with the fit on this team. Okay, yeah, I mean for four picks, I think they did a wonderful job. I mean it's an easy job when you already have one of the best rosters in the league. I mean you yeah. can kind of just pick and choose uh, whatever you want and just kind of make it work because that's just the luxury you have with all the talent. Um, I liked your analysis on Ruiz, though. Uh, you know, this is one thing I learned at uh, SIS. Um, my boss, Matt Manocherian, was a former scout with the Saints. And what he told us was sometime around the – I mean, he was there around 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. So they figured out, though, that Drew Brees is one of those quarterbacks where, you know, you can kind of skimp on talent at the tackles, actually, because Drew Brees, when you watch him, he does a great job of stepping up in the pocket, kind of like Brady, right? Yeah. So it's it's that pressure in the face, especially when you have a shorter quarterback yes. that's right. barely six foot. You know, if you get that pressure up in his face, he's going to face some issues. So they have addressed this interior offensive line uh, beautifully, especially towards the end of his career. And, you know, it's maybe not the flashiest pick. Um, Ruiz as a player, though, was someone who, you know, he was okay. I think he benefited overall from a weak interior class that kind of pushed him up the board, right? Yeah. So, but he wasn't necessarily bad on tape. So, you know, you get a solid player there. You kind of emphasize another one of Breeze's strengths. I think it's just a a decent move. I mean, like I said, you have the talent to kind of do whatever. So, right. I definitely feel like midway through this past decade, they kind of felt like, you know, we have Drew Brees, but some years we're good and some years we kind of suck. You remember the NFC South was that conference, um, that division where there was a new winner every year. Um, yeah. And since they've emphasized the importance of the O-line, I think, uh, I think we've seen the Saints become a bit more of a, of a juggernaut. Yeah, I, I almost wonder, like, what pick would I even have had them go in round one, if not after someone like Ruiz, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like that's the luxury, like Jake said, of having a good team. You know, it's, it's Cesar Ruiz right there. You know what? None of this talent really fits what we need because they don't really need anything. So let's put some new piece in front of Drew Brees. Then in the third round, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, very versatile piece can fill a bunch of roles and he's a, steal i think 10 picks into the third round and mm-hmm. then at the end of the third round admittedly this is a weak tight end class but yep. adam troutman he was getting some best tight end in this class hype mm-hmm. and they snag him too i i mean it's i don't know how you can give this like a great grade just because there weren't many picks but with what they had i think they did a great job yeah, and he's a move tight end. I mean, dynasty leagues out there, I'm, if there's a tight end, I would take a, a late flyer on. It'd be Troutman because uh, you like him in that offense. I, I think they'll move him around, and defenses will be confused with, uh, you know, 
all their funky formations that they're going to throw out there um, and with Taysom Hill and what have you. And Troutman, I think, is going to get some nice looks, especially because, you know, Jared Cook's the guy in front of him. Um, Josh Hill's their other tight end. Like, he's going to have opportunities. And, man, even even their final pick, I think no one no one necessarily saw it coming, but uh, they go with the tight end out of, Mississippi State, um, who's going to be their next like attempt at the Taysom Hill experiment 2.0 with Tommy Stevens. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Jake, do you have any thoughts on him? On Tommy Stevens? Uh, I mean, actually, no. I mean, I, I had to go back another year, though. I thought Nick Fitzgerald would have been yes, more 100%. so of that player. Huh. So, I mean, I, but, I mean, here's the problem with Taysom Hill, though. What what value are we really getting out of him? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you're getting, what, five to ten snaps a game. You're going to take Drew Brees out from under center. I mean, at some point you get too cute, right? Uh, so that's it's not an issue. I mean, it's a seventh-round pick. I, I, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to kill you over that. Right. It's interesting that they are trying to keep up this, you know, super versatile quarterback trend just because they're the only team in the league really kind of doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, no big opinion either way, I guess. It's just interesting, an interesting situation to keep track of. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it is just interesting though, that this is a team that is so packed with talent that they thought, Hmm, what do we do with this pick? How about backup Taysom Hill? Like, you know what we (laughs) need to do is get a backup for Taysom Hill. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it, It'll be fun. It'll be fun like it always is. And maybe there's some special teams value. He's like, he played tight end. He played quarterback. He's fast. He's 6'5", 235. Just see what happens. Why not? Like, you see it at the college level all the time that these quarterbacks turn into tight ends and it works for them. And you see it in the NFL, too. Tommy Stevens, worth keeping an eye on. Uh, before we uh, move on to talk about running backs, which we should probably do pretty quickly, uh, I do want to ask if you had to pick in the NFC South, you gotta you gotta pick the order these teams finish in the division. One, two, three, four. Who you got? Uh, I am going to go. Always so wide open. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go New Orleans. New Orleans and Tampa in a close race for the division, followed by Atlanta and then Carolina. Interesting. Okay. Saints, Saints squeeze it out. I'm yeah. very intrigued by the Falcons. I thought the, how the Falcons finished the second half of the season, um, you know, with basically their coach almost had a foot out the door, uh, but the team rallied around the head coach and uh, they were actually one of the sneaky good teams in those final eight games, they, they just suck so bad in the first eight, they couldn't turn it around. Um, and you know, with Matt Ryan at quarterback, you can kind of surprise people anytime, especially if that O-line can stay healthy with those, uh, rookies from the 2019 class. Um, but yeah, I think in the end, it's going to be the saints. Um, I've been back and forth on the bucks talking things out with you guys has, uh, kind of made me more skeptical about the bucks offense. So, I'm sticking with the Saints, though. I do think we're pretty close to the drop-off for Drew Brees coming mm-hmm. and it being rapid. But, uh, yeah. hey, man, they've, they've got 
quality backups that they can win games with. So I'm, I'm probably less concerned about that with them than I am with anyone else. So yeah, I'll say, I'll say the saints find a way to get it done. All right. I lied. And I actually have one more question that I really wanted to ask. Uh, okay. Better duo just for this season, just for this season, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders or Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Oh man. Uh, wow. I think I'm going to stick with the Falcons. Uh, just because I think Julio has an edge over Michael Thomas. Yeah. Um, that's really tough, though. That's close. Well, it's tough because I think if I was to put them in a lab and have a scientist like zap, zap their skills and give me an overall score, I think the Falcons win just barely. But I think raw production in this offense next season, I think the Saints duo is going to do better. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I like it. Uh, before we talk about these running backs, we do want to tell you how much we love Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I'm headed up to Montana tomorrow. I, I, I said it on another podcast. I don't think I've said it here. But I've nice. already checked the Breckenridge Beer Locator. Mm. And up where I live, there is no Strawberry Sky. There's a 15-can Ooh. sampler, which has some. And so we'll definitely be picking up some of those. But I'm flying in Missoula and then driving north. And in Missoula, there are four places where I can find some Strawberry Sky, pick it up, bring it with me, and that is the plan because I love that beer so much. Nice. Um, okay, before we move on, I do want to – I feel like I've used that phrase like three times a day. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's the last uh, Breckenridge beer you guys drank? Um, oh. Well, I picked up a sampler a couple weeks ago. So, I mean – I, I'm pretty sure I went Strawberry Sky first, um, along with, uh, I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was the Amber, I guess, I think is what I had last. So, mm. Very good. The Avalanche Amber Ale. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had a Mile High um, City Copper Lager. Huh, okay. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to try some Breckenridge beers or if you just need to restock, you can head down to Davidson's south of Denver or you can do what I did and check out the beer locator and see all of the places where it will be available near you. If you're hungry, check out the farmhouse and use the code DMVR20 and you can save 20% or no, it's use a code DMVR. You can get $5 off your order. That's the one code that's different. Um, nice. And uh, we also want to give a quick shout out to Manscaped. Uh, they make a lot of what we do possible. And uh, that includes not just work stuff, uh, but having the confidence to talk to women because you know that you are taking care of yourself down there. Um, I don't know. Dre, what's your favorite Manscaped product? Well, I mean, the lawnmower uh, 3.0 is, it, it, it's king. I mean, let's, you know, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's king between the, the fancy dock uh, how easy it is to use the fact that I can use it in the shower because it's water resistant and it's got that light. Uh, yeah, that, that's where it's at. You know, I can get creative. I can shape the body hair however I want. I mean, you, you can't beat the lawnmower three point. How how do you want to shape the body hair? <laughs> Depends on how you're feeling. Oh, okay. I'm not a great artist, so I'm pretty much limited to arrows. And stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys should definitely at least go to the Manscaped website, manscaped.com. See what they have because they have some awesome products, uh, which we will definitely vouch for. Uh, if you want to get the perfect package 3.0 that comes with the lawnmower 3.0 that Dre mentioned as long or as well as a pair of great underwear, very breathable uh, t-shirt, 
the crop preserver, the crop reviver, a body wash, there's all sorts of stuff. And it's discounted because you buy it all as a package. So check that out. Plus you can get another 20% off if you use the code DMVR20 and that'll get shipped straight to your door. Manscaped is awesome stuff and your balls will thank you. Nice. Okay. Uh, running backs. Um, let's go. Let's, okay, let's, let's go. go. This is the fun stuff. Um, Jake, <laughs> let's just start with you. Before we dig too deep, what was the best pick of a running back in this draft? Um, I think it's between two players for me. Uh, the first one being Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to Kansas City. I mean, that's just the natural one, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. second one, though, that I cannot – this is probably my favorite fit of the entire draft is Jonathan Taylor to the Colts. I just think this team – especially after last year, they kind of had to rely on the run game a bit more, especially when mm -hmm. Luck just unexpectedly retired. So you really kind of saw a philosophical shift uh, last yep. year. Yep. So, you know, fast forward to this year, you bring in Phillip Rivers, who is still, he's okay, right? I mean, he's, mm -hmm. you're not getting 2008 Phillip Rivers here. Yep. But you got a, a better quarterback, and now you have probably the best pure runner in the class now, and Jonathan Taylor, joining the best offensive line probably in the NFL. And I just can't help but think about Jonathan Taylor running behind a pulling Quentin Nelson on a power late at night. You know, that's just what puts me to sleep. That's just, <laughs> that's fantasy feel right there. So violent um, thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite fit of this class though. It's, it's just perfect. Interesting. So, so you really like the fit and obviously like, or you really like Jonathan Taylor but the Lions took DeAndre Swift six picks before. You know, a lot of this is like fit reliant, but do you think the Lions should have taken Jonathan Taylor over Swift? I mean, I, I don't know. I still actually kind of have issues with the Lions taking Swift just because I'm not really sure what the Lions are doing. I mean, yeah. I'm a carry-on Johnson fan, mm -hmm. so I, it's tough for me to kind of – you know, shove carry on aside just because he's been hurt a bit, even though, you know, availability is the best ability, right? So, so true. it makes sense why they got Swift, but still, I mean, I'd, I'd like Swift a lot. It's just tough for me because, you know, careers go to die in Detroit and I just don't want to see Swift kind of fall by the wayside just because of where he landed. Right. And you wonder, are they, you know, are they trying to reproduce that Patricia obviously coming from the Pats? You got Hawkinson last year, you've got Swift this year, you're trying to recreate that tight end receiving back kind of dynamic, but it's true. Carry on getting clogged up hurts my heart and Marlon Mack getting uh, kind of touches taken away in yeah. Indy really hurts me. I loved Mack. I thought he was really coming along last year, but you're right. That fits undeniable. I mean, I think of that that Eagles offense on that Super Bowl run when Frank Reich was there and obviously a key part of that offensive coaching staff and how dominant they were with that downhill running game by Jay Ajayi um, and Blunt, right? Blunt was yeah. part of that, LeGarrette Blunt. So adding someone like Jonathan Taylor to just get downhill um, is pretty cool. It's, it's funny, in the end, one, two, three, four, five, the top five backs go in exactly – or the top five backs are the top five backs taken. They just go in a different order than how I had them. Um, and I guess there's a bit of a theme with guys with the ability to receive the ball um, being the first two guys taken. 
But man, after those top five, and I love Cam Akers going to the Rams. I think he's talk about someone who's going to have a big opportunity. Yes. Um, and J.K. Dobbins, you gotta love him. Um, Justice Hill and him complimenting each other with Lamar Jackson, handing it off to those two talents in a read option looks is going to be a handful to defend. Um, but then we went way off the board. I mean, sixth running back <laughs> taken, A.J. Dillon. Seventh running back taken, Kayshawn Vaughn. Less of a surprise, but Dillon was really where things um, went crazy. I don't know about you. I didn't have Darrington Evans so high. Um, Zach Moss going to the, the Bills. I know you, you probably had some criticisms to that, Jake. I like yeah. Joshua Kelly there. Um, but it's really lots of different flavors, lots of, you know, yeah, at the top, we're valuing receiving ability more, but then there's teams with different needs and different types that they're trying to plug and play and fit. Um, okay, I want to talk about J.K. Dobbins next uh, mm. because this is, I think, going to make that – am I willing to say it? Is that the best running backs group? I just don't know if they have the top end to be the best running backs group in the league. I guess J.K. Dobbins could become, in my mind, one of those top backs in the league. How do you think he factors in in Baltimore? I love the fit. That's another great fit, I think. Um, especially when you just look at Mark Ingram, I think J.K. Dobbins runs pretty similarly. He probably has an advantage in the speed department, too. Yep. Yep. So it's probably one of the most perfect fits for me because, you know, we talked about here my first time on this about the deficiencies with J.K. Dobbins, how you know, he's not the best runner, um, you know, in terms of vision, just like being able to make those tight cuts, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he's a downhill kind of guy. And this is a downhill type of offense. Um, you add in the read option factor, like Andre said, I mean, that's just another defender you're not going to have to worry about in the box. So I love the fit. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they use him in the passing game, though, because I he flashed a bit in that area. I just don't see him. You know, yeah. like Andre said, the other guys went at the top for a reason, right? Clyde edwards Hiller and DeAndre Swift, um, even Cam Akers. So I'm just interested to see how it all kind of fits. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I think Mark Ingram is probably going to outtouch him this year. But moving yeah. forward, J.K. Dobbins is going to – I could just see him being a plug-and-play replacement for Mark Ingram. Hmm. Yeah, with, with those Ohio State backs, you're always wondering about how will they translate because they're always running out of shotgun. Um, yeah. That was a problem with Carlos Hyde. I think he never quite figured out how to run out of the eye um, and, you know, have to have a head of steam and be a little more disciplined and reading the line. Obviously, coming from Ohio State, you also – you your ability to read defenses changes a lot because it's a lot yeah. easier at the Buckeyes with, like, five all big 10 dudes blocking for you and kind of dominating the, the guys in front of you. Um, it makes it a tougher evaluation, but in a team with Lamar quarterbacking, Dobbins is going to have plenty of shotgun runs. So I think that adjustment isn't nearly as drastic. Yeah. Which guy slipped the furthest that surprised you? Good question. I'm, I've said it before. You know Benjamin, man. I am so surprised that this guy fell to the seventh round. Uh, just the names taken in front of him. You know, DJ Dallas, a former wide receiver turned running back, was taken ahead of him. Uh, 
Zach Moss, who I felt like was kind of similar to Eno Benjamin. I thought Eno Benjamin was a bit more athletic and could do a bit more. Uh, I was surprised to see Moss go four rounds ahead of him. Mm-hmm. So, as, as somebody who covers the Pac-12, I will agree with you there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we already talked about him um, when we talked about running backs before the draft. So the only thing about Eno Benjamin, though, is he's going to a place where I just – don't know if he's going to get the opportunities and I just don't maybe he just wasn't that good right maybe I just have the evaluation wrong and that's why he went in the seventh round who knows but he's behind Kenyon Drake so I'm not really expecting him to have the best opportunities but he's someone that I was really intrigued by and was hoping would go to a good team that could give him some carries early on for me it's easily Darius Anderson uh the TCU running back and yeah Boy, scouting's funny sometimes, man, because uh, <laughs> TCU had a lot of prospects in the end, and uh, I found myself watching that TCU-Ohio State game a whole bunch um, just to really get a feel for all those uh, Horn Frogs. And, you know, you always like going back to see more of the guys on the Buckeyes and get even more of a feel for them. <sighs> you, you watch that game enough, Darius Anderson, boy, did he flash. Um, just an incredible athlete. I think he's got... Incredible, great burst, nice long speed. Um, yeah, he's going to need to read defenses a little better, uh, read his lanes, not try to push everything outside. But I saw some value as a receiving back as well. He barely squeezed into my top 100 as my 95th overall prospect in the entire draft because I like the upside that much on Anderson. He goes undrafted to the Cowboys. Um, so that really, really surprised me. I, I didn't think McFarland would drop that far. Um, you know, he's not exactly Tevin Coleman. I don't think he's that far off what Tevin Coleman was coming out of Indiana. Uh, same conference, same type of uh, pretty special long speed for him to drop to the Steelers, where James Connor hasn't always been super healthy. Boy, that's a nice opportunity there. Yeah. Um, so really appealing by that. Antonio Gibson being the seventh running back taken, I did not see that happening, though I guess he was sixth in my rankings, but it goes to show you the it was really receivers uh, above all else. Dylan kind of squeezes in there, but that's because he's a he's a combine outlier. He's a he's a workout warrior. He's a 245-pound back who ran in the low four fives, jumped really well, um, had outstanding production in college, especially as a freshman. And I think, you know, the in a zone blocking scheme with the Packers, they're kind of talking themselves into this could be a special back in this offense. He could be a Terrell Davis, Todd Gurley type. Not my words. I'm, I guess I'm putting those words in their head. But I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's the best case scenario. That's why you reach on a guy who, yeah, was 193rd on my board based off the tape eval, and he goes late second. Um, one of the biggest reaches in the entire top hundred, um, according to my ranking. So yeah, but I'm I'm with you on Benjamin. I'm with you on Josh Kelly's my guy. You know, I think uh, I think there's some Pac-12 uh, Pac-12 value that was had at the running back position on day three. Yeah, you guys have any more thoughts on the running backs? I can throw one out there. Um, actually, I might have a couple, but one guy who you know, just to kind of uh, switch talking points here, if we're looking at like a dynasty player to kind of look out mm-hmm. for, right? Um, I would look out for LaMichael Pirine just mm-hmm. for the simple fact that it was been, it was well publicized last year how 
Gase and Bell really didn't see eye to eye, right? Mm-hmm. And they're kind of stuck with Bell for this year. Um, just the cap hit and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not probably not going to be able to find a trade partner. It's just a tough deal to trade. But with LaMichael P. Ryan, Bell suffered with injuries. If this guy can come in and show that he can carry the rock, and he did flash quite a bit at Florida. He had some huge plays. So this is a, someone I'm really looking at and just hoping that it's a, kind of a lottery ticket with this guy. I mean, he had 40 receptions a senior season, so he is well-rounded. Um, he's someone that I think could kind of be that guy that comes out of nowhere in the middle of this draft class this season. Yeah. If things had just gone different for P Ryan, I, he probably goes higher than this. Do you have any thoughts on Darrington Evans? Is that a good pick by the Titans? Is that a nice compliment to Derrick Henry? Or is that kind of a waste of it? I actually really like it. Um, you know, it's kind of that thunder and lightning type uh, role. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I watched Darrington Evans just a bit through the draft process. He wasn't someone I had super high on my board or anything. Right. Um, obviously, it's kind of a tougher eval when you're at App State. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are Division One now, but they're you know you're not playing Florida and Alabama and teams like that. So um, he did score a lot of touchdowns. He had uh, 1,480 yards in 2019, uh, 4-4, 140-yard dash. So it definitely adds speed. Yeah. The thing with the Titans. Um, Henry's been there for a few years, and they've tried a couple combinations with him, right? Um, they had, I think DeMarco Murray was there when Henry came in, wasn't he? Right. Yep. And then they had Deion Lewis kind of come in. Mm-hmm. So they've been struggling to find that complementary back to Henry for a while. Um, I think Darrington Evans can be the one that kind of breaks through and actually adds a change of pace element to their offense. I like it. His, his quickness stood out for me, and then you're right. He's got that 4-4 speed. So and I think that was the theme, you know, after the top six or seven where we valued, you know, workout warriors but more receiving backs, it really was. Okay, we've got Ronald Jones. We're taking Keyshawn Vaughn. We've got uh, Miles Sanders at the Bills, right? We're taking more of the, the, the pounder. Oh, no, uh, Singletary. Uh, Singletary, yeah. We're taking more of the, the ground and pound in uh, Zach Moss. We've got mm-hmm. Derrick Henry. We're taking – um, Darrington Evans. We have the receiving back in Austin Eckler. We're taking more of the North and South guy and Joshua Kelly. And that was just the theme throughout. And it makes sense with running back. You know, everyone's going uh, backfield by committee. That, that makes sense later on. We're valuing the pass catchers above all else. And then it's just compliments to fill out a roster. Yep. All right. Should mention uh, after Darius Anderson, my, my second favorite undrafted free agent at the position, JJ Taylor of Arizona. Mm-hmm. He went to the New England Patriots, and uh, that's a fun little fit right there. Yeah, yeah, with Cam now too. Yikes. Yeah, good that's going to be a fun team. Yep. It might not be good, but it might be, and it's definitely going to be fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, Strava Craft Coffee is game-changing coffee. It's CBD-infused. You can purchase K-Cups uh, for your Keurig, or you can buy whole bean or grounds. But the thing about Strava Craft Coffee that we don't talk about enough is how good their Instagram and Twitter game has been recently because they're mm. dropping recipes for adult iced coffee that is basically a must in the summer. Uh, it's like 90 degrees outside. I feel like it's significantly hotter than that in Denver now, but, uh, that means you should be drinking iced coffee all day. And seriously, they have some great options. So check them out on social media. And of course, just order yourself some coffee too. Um, if you want, you can use the code DNVR 20 
That'll save you 20% on your order and the coffee will be shipped straight to your door. If you do that, tag Strava. Like we said, they're all over social media and tag us too because we want to see the, whether you like it. Um, if you're not ready to commit to ordering it, first of all, you're like crazy. It's coffee. It's not a commitment. Um, but also you can try it at Carbon Cafe and Bar. Uh, you can try it at Drip, uh, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. Um, also, it helps with IBS. So there you go. Uh, check out Strava Craft Coffee and let us know how you think about it or what you think about it. All right, uh, time for a couple questions now. Um, one of these questions is definitely not for us. Another one is probably not for us, but we're going to answer it anyway. And that is, uh, hey, guy, oh, hey guys, random question. Favorite video game of all time. And also, are you guys Xbox or PlayStation? Mine is Rocket League and Xbox all day. That comes in from IG Bronco Sensei. Um, Jake, favorite video game, what console? All time. It's for me, it's really close between Modern Warfare 2 and Halo 3. Um, okay. that those days that was just prime gaming for me, man. Um, so that's probably what I'd go with. A uh, current gen, though, I'm actually a, a Soulsborne guy, so Bloodborne on the PlayStation has been something I've really gone back to. Um, but also Rocket League, I mean. Yep, and then I sh I struggle to play Madden every now and then with the just broken game that it is. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like Modern Warfare Two was really good. Modern Warfare Three is like was like the peak for me. Like for me, like Call of Duty was this mm -hmm. whole like arc, and then after that, yeah. I just slowly lost interest to the point where now I couldn't even tell you what the newest Call of Duty is because I've just like I mean, as soon as they got like futuristic. I was just kind of out with like the boosting and that kind of stuff. I was like, if I want that, I'm going to go to a different game. This is supposed to yeah. be like war. If, if I'm looking for that experience, you guys had that monopolized and you just had no interest in keeping it. Uh, at this point, I'm mostly like sports video games though. Uh, yeah, Madden, me. obviously. Um, Rocket League is honestly, I'm just, I basically just play Madden and Rocket League at this point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, though, Call of Duty Warzone has been pretty damn good. So, uh, I'm not, like you said, I'm more of the classic Call of Duty guy, but they've mm -hmm. kind of won me back a little bit over the past couple months, so. Interesting. I'm going to have to, I have it downloaded and I play a couple times, but the thing is, at this point, I'm so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like and I don't really have the time to dedicate to getting good at that again. Hey, Dre, yeah. any video game thoughts? It's been a minute. Um, are you guys Xbox <laughs> or PlayStation people? Xbox. You answer PlayStation. That mm. PlayStation. Uh, a divide in the family. I'm neither. My, uh, I, I would just play what my roommates had, and now my wife doesn't have a console, so I'm, I'm with a roommate with no console. So, uh, you know, pick your loved ones wisely. I guess is the advice there. My favorite game. It, it must be a tie. It would be a tie between NCAA football '09, um, which I played way too much of my senior year of college when I just had afternoon classes, so I could stay up to like three. And uh, I hammered the recruiting so hard on that game. I was just uh, amazed. Florida State was never better. And, um, and then uh, FIFA 98. That's, uh, I, I've played it on a basic PlayStation as recently as five years ago. You could just play uh, penalty tournaments. You could play indoor five-on-five five where you could bounce the ball off the walls and stuff. Um, that, just a phenomenal game. I, I played that for years and years and years, so. Yeah, FIFA 98 is an all-time. I actually have experience with FIFA 98, so I can kind of vouch for you there, Andre. It's a, it's a great one. It really is. 
I have zero experience with Visa 98, <laughs> but now I really want to try it. Um, next question from Breck Drew. Here's a cool experiment on another draft pod. You have to draft an 11-man team that plays both sides of the ball. They did the whole NFL, but y'all can just do Broncos players if it's easier. Who would you pick? I feel like we should do all NFL. Um, you know, we talked about this just a tiny bit before. I think we're all in agreement that Derrick Henry is on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the interesting question is who's your quarterback? Who you know, are you playing quarterback and having played defense to? So, I mean, this, this came from Twitter, I'm assuming, because this was kind of a popular Twitter topic a couple of days ago, the mm-hmm. uh, 11-man teams. Lamar Jackson, though, yep. you could throw that guy at safety or DB, yep. um, and that's pretty uh, smooth transition right there, right? Yep. Well, and with your back seven defenders being guys who play two ways, I, his added advantage at quarterback is even more so now that I have like Derrick Henry having to contain the edge for me. All of a sudden, exactly. I like Lamar. But I think this raises Taysom Hill's stock. This is like peak Taysom Hill stock. That's this is what he was built for. <laughs> he, he's the best tackling quarterback probably in NFL yeah. history. So uh, yeah. just throwing that out there, guys. And I think, I think you could make a case for Deshaun. Um, and I think, I think Mahomes wouldn't be your best defender, but he could give you enough as kind of a two-down linebacker to justify having him play two. And he would just be such a great advantage on the offensive side of the ball that you'd almost kind of live with him just doing whatever right. on defense. Right. But I'd want a lot of hybrids. Like I'm going after Travis Kelsey. Um, yep. I'm having him play like Miles edge, Jack edge or five technique. Ooh, Miles Jack is a great, right. That's another way you can go as guys who play two ways and call it Miles Jack. Shaq Thompson yep. uh, would be like really interesting. Jabril Peppers or are we past that now? Oh, sure. Oh, Jabril Peppers would be a good one too. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about like linemen? I feel like that's the really tough part. Like, like is Quentin Nelson a good enough offensive lineman and just like enough of like a mauler that you would say, put him at defensive tackle and see what happens. So what is your guys' theory here? Are you trying to get defensive players that you can kind of convert to offensive linemen? Or are you thinking offensive linemen to defense? Cause I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to go with the athletes on the defensive line. And just kind of hope I work it out on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm going to have at least a majority defensive lineman in the trenches. Um, it yeah. might be a three to two or four to one ratio. Um, but yeah, it's going to be mostly defensive line. You know, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, guys like that. Calais I'm Campbell. looking at Calais oh. Campbell. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, Armstead, some still think he maybe would be better off at tackle. Um, but I do think there's, you know, tear on Armstead, I've mentioned. I, I think he could play some five-tech for me. Um, Lel Collins, okay. uh, I think, yeah. is one of those good, versatile offensive linemen, but with a compact enough build to where he's not going to lose so much in the leverage battle. That's the thing. Like, you're the best pure uh, pass-blocking offensive tackles are going to be the worst at this. I don't want a linear, yeah. long athlete playing defensive tackle for me. I just don't. So, Nate Solder, sorry, you're out of this. Um, I'm blanking on some of the best offensive tackles, but a lot of those guys I'm going to have to kind of omit here. Yeah, let me throw another name into the ring. J.J. Uh, Watt, you could play mm. him defensive end. You could yes. play him at tackle. You can play him at tight end. Yeah, but see, like, that's the thing is I feel like when we're getting these defensive players – 
I just keep drooling over them at tight end, but you can't just have a whole team of tight ends, can you? <laughs> you can go 13 personnel, I guess, right? You could. You could. What's our What's our theory on corners and receivers? Assuming, like, those guys are going to be playing those two positions. Mm-hmm. Are you going, like, is the route running harder to figure out than the instincts that it takes to play, like, cornerback well? I'm I'm not sure what you do there. I feel like you probably don't want – the Julio type, unless, unless you're putting him at safety. And you could play a lot of cover three. Julio would work in a cover three. Cover yeah, three press. That's Seattle yeah. D. He could make it. Yeah, I, that's one of those where I think similar to O-line, I'm going mostly defense. I think corner, I'm mostly going receivers. I'm just, okay. I'm just gambling on traits, you know. Okay, let's, bust, mean, out a, let's bust out a quick 11. Uh, quarterback, who we got? Um, we want to go with Lamar. I, I think it has to be right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you have I think to be. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I so agree. we got Lamar. Um, running back, we want Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tight end. I mean, say, hold on, Saquon though would not be a bad pick either. Mm, Saquon's intriguing. I but actually then do we play him at linebacker? Derrick Henry, I'm like pretty confident can be a good edge rusher. But, I mean, if yeah. we need five offensive linemen, do we really need to fill out an edge rusher spot? Mm, good point. Because you know? then he only leaves three other guys who are playing on that defensive line. That's a good point. I mean, you yeah. really have to go with that 3-4, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And have Derrick Henry as one outside linebacker. Probably Saquon's the other interesting, though. four. Wow, this is actually very difficult. Okay, so I think let's just give everyone two roles, too. So I think Lamar needs to be our free safety quarterback of the defense okay yep um, okay so we've got free safety and quarterback taken care of uh i could go saquon if we want to get kind of creative i can go saquon okay let's, yeah, I, let's I go like saquon it. we're playing linebacker? him yeah yeah linebacker we might might even be outside i know it's um okay tight end i almost wonder if we should go like kittle maybe i know kittle i mean just he's so kittle fast does work but Kittle works. He could play some D end. Mm-hmm. Kittle works. I was almost thinking double down on tight end. Let's go right tackle. You you have Gronk. Right yeah. tackle Gronk. And he could well, be a I bit was, of a five tech. Mm. I was also thinking maybe if you build a team like 22 base personnel, you know, because then yeah. you could get Saquon and you could get Henry and then you could get Kittle and then. And with Lamar know, Jackson, a quarterback. Else. I'm I'm right. pretty down for that. Go with the power yeah. running with the options and all that kind of stuff. For sure. That's not bad. Then you can trust more defenders on the O-line because you're more protected. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting. But then defensively, you're going to kind of be lacking in DBs is the tough thing. That is true. You might, be, you might just have to go like Jalen Ramsey as your one wide receiver just to cover yourself more on the defensive end. There. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's a good call. Yeah, well, so, there you go, Ramsey at receiver. What about like an Isaiah Simmons? Because he can do Oof. anything on defense. Put him at tight end. I don't know if he can do it. I don't know. There's got to be a place for him on an offense. Tight end. tight end. Plus, he can probably play some receiver. He's so fast. Yeah, he could be your second tight end. He's basically no, Evan uh, Ingram. <laughs> Who I also thought of is you can go back to his high school tape. Jadevian Clowney, play him at running back, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad call. 
Okay. I uh, frankly, I think we we need some more time to think this through before we yep. can give a yeah. a formation. But that's a fun one. That, that is, is a fun, is a fun one. one. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's going to do it for today's show. Um, as always, if you guys have questions for next week's show, we uh, we like those. Send them in the uh, post for today's show in the comment section. We'll tackle those next week. Uh, shout out Jake for uh, coming on, providing Absolutely. some great information. Uh, we need to do this again soon. Yeah, let's sure. do it. Let's do it. Uh, that's it for today. We'll be back next week with some more.